Blog Talk Radio. What's up, everybody? Your host, Dr. Faye, and welcome to another edition of Sugar and Spice Show. Another dope edition. We are going to talk about a very important topic that I have seen plastered all over Facebook. We are talking about child support, getting the financial help that you need for your child and for yourself to be able to take care of that child. Or, you know, we don't forget about the fellas, so we're going to talk about the men out there who are taking care of their responsibility. But they're dealing with a petty female who wants to use the child as a pawn and don't want to allow them to be able to co-parent peacefully or at all for that matter. So without further ado, let me get my expert on the line, a young black professional who's been a very close friend of mine for a long time, Miss Aisha Sanders. Hello. Hey, what's up? Uh, How's it going? Good, good. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Good, good. So I always like to start off um, every show with, you know, giving the listeners out there a background, a little bit of background information about yourself, where you went to school, where you were trained, and what it is that you are doing right now. Well, I am Aisha Sanders. I'm a practicing attorney in Natchez, Mississippi. I'm barred in both Mississippi and Louisiana, and right now my practice is a little spread out. I do family law, civil litigation, which is like slip and falls, car accidents, and some criminal defense. Uh, Starting in June, I was recently appointed the interim county prosecutor for Adams County, Mississippi, so I'll be on the prosecution side of the uh, criminal work. Um, I graduated from the University of Kentucky with a degree in civil engineering, and then I went to Southern University Law Center in Baton Rouge to get my law degree. Well, I know you put in a lot of work, a lot of schooling to get where you are today, and of course, a big congratulations on your new appointment. Um, Don't really see that very often, so I'm always proud to see young black females doing their thing. Thank you, thank you. Cool. So, Aisha, let's get down to the nitty-gritty. So, child support. Mm -hmm. At least, of course, for people who who find themselves in that situation. So, Mm -hmm. let me start by asking this. So, how does one go about, in the state of Mississippi or in the state of collecting child support? Well, you can collect child support in two different ways. You can get a private attorney like myself, 
and go that way, petition the court through that attorney, get an order from a judge, and have it the money come directly through to you or through the courts. Or you can, what most people do is they go to DHS, they pay the $25 fee, and they allow DHS to then become the collection and enforcement agent. DHS has an attorney who goes out, finds the father, gets a blood test, gets a court order, gets a withholding order, and gets him set up for child support. I would say probably 80, 85% of the people who have child support issues go through DHS, which can be, depending on the location of DHS, it can be a good thing, but sometimes it's not very consistent. It can change from county to county and state to state. So you're, let me get this correctly. What you're saying is that it only costs $25 to start the process to be able to acquire child support. Yeah, I need $25. And I think in some cases, if you are a recipient of certain state benefits, such as um, food stamps or government subsidies, then you don't even have to pay that amount. They'll they'll automatic they're automatically the enforcement agent because what happens is when you're receiving food stamps for that child, they're gonna come to you and say, Hey, who is your child's father? And at that point you don't have a choice but to give them a name and they'll go and track that person down. They'll ask them to come in and be tested and if they come back that they're the father, they'll go ahead and put them on child support. If it doesn't, then they'll come back to you, ask you for another name. I think after so many, then they'll leave you alone as far as the uh, child support is concerned if you're receiving those benefits. Wow, I, I didn't know that. Um, of course, you know, I don't I don't have a child. but yeah. So for someone who wants to go, I guess, the private route, mm-hmm. Is it is the process more expedient if you get someone who's higher, or do you go through like the DHS system? Like I guess I would use the analogy of being, you know, a public defender. If you, um, which one is faster? Which one is most effective in your experience? Faster, definitely. Um, the private attorney. More effective, it depends. Honestly, if you have someone who's going to dodge the attorney who's going to, then DHS is probably your best bet because they have investigators, they have people who go out there and find people, and then they also have the ability to test the to test the uh, gentleman versus with a private attorney, we have to go out and find a DNA specialist. Then we have to find the father, get him to come in and do the DNA test or have him ordered to do one. It I suggest people use um, private attorneys even if they go through DHS to begin with. If you're somebody who just went down there, paid $25 to open up your case to get your child, once you get DHS to open it up, you can go and close it and do a private action then. They've they've done all the legwork. Now you can come in and do what you want because once you – Get DHS in your business is really hard to get them out of your business. What do you mean in your business? What do you mean by that? 
You have people, okay, um, example, you have a a mother and a father of a child who they don't get along. She goes to DHS. She puts him on child support. Things, he, there, he's on child support. He's paying his child support to DHS. The mother and the father get back together as they often do. She no longer wants the money that he's having to pay the DHS every month to go out of the house. And she's like, well, I don't want him on child support anymore. DHS doesn't work like that. You can't just cut it off and cut it on. That money still has to come out, and it still has to go through DHS. And if you want him to close that case, he's going to have to pay all these fees to get it closed. And then at that point, DHS wants to see an actual order from a judge saying, well, even though she closed this case, she's opened this other case. They, they're they very peculiar, especially if they feel like it's a father who will pay because most of the time I, most of the time, they're finding people who don't have jobs or people that they can't prove have jobs so they can't um, get their money. Now, DHS doesn't do this for free. The father is the one who ends up paying this money because there are all types of miscellaneous fees that DHS collects from the father when they do the child support thing. The order, like they may be ordered to pay $150 in child support, but there's probably an additional $40 in fees every month that goes directly to DHS. Oh. Oh, wow. Yeah. So what happens if a mom say she feels like her child support payments are inadequate and she needs more. Does she need a petition? Does it require more money? And if so, does those are those fees falling on the mom or is the dad or the alleged dad um, responsible for those fees? Well, for the fees, usually it falls on the party who can afford it. That's what judges look at. Um, here in Mississippi, the chancellors look at can the father afford to pay the fees that if there's a modification. What you have to do to show a modification, because that's what it is, is that one, it's in the best interest of the child that a modification be made, and that two, there's been a material change in circumstance. And in this, in like a material change circumstance could be, Dad has been in school. He's working for Office Depot part-time all through school. He finally graduates uh, pharmacy school. So now he's gone from making $20,000 a year to making $100,000 a year. That's a material change in circumstances. His child support should increase to reflect his new income. So the, is the father responsible for reporting that, or does DHS automatically upload that information? Like, is there a data system that, you know, auto-populated this information, or it's kind of like an auto to be upfront about your income? DHS, you're supposed to be upfront about your income. They ask the fathers when they first come in, to alert them when there's been a change, like when you get fired, when you get a new job, when um, you move, things like that, you need to contact DHS. If 
the most of the time the mothers know. That that's what I found out is DHS doesn't really have to go looking because the mothers know and they're going to come in and tell you, and then at that point DHS will notify you. But by statute, they're only required to do them every three years. They they do them based upon different uh, stages in a child's life, like when the child's first born, then usually when they're about three or four, that's when they start head start or preschool, and then again when they start grade school and so on and so forth. Now, I've seen some people apply for modifications every year. They they don't win them every year, but they try to. Oh. So is it, yeah. are there, uh, like, I guess, like, steps or procedures in place or checks and balances, I should say, in place to protect fathers who are of being the parent and, you know, it's really someone else's child. Is there a procedure in place to protect fathers from, you know, paying for Um. Yes and no. There are procedures in place to, I guess, get the child from you from being listed on the child's birth certificate or the child being your named your child. As far as the child support thing, that's a whole separate issue. Once you've proven that you're not the father, then you can usually petition the same court who issued the child support order and provide whatever your proof is. But what the law says is that it's a rebuttable presumption because the assumption is that that's your child, especially when you have married people, when you have a married woman and she has an affair and she has an outside child. The law says the husband of the mother is presumed to be the father of the baby. So at that point, it's, and those have time limits. You have a year in most states to what we call disavow. That means file an action that says, I'm not this child's father. We need to have a blood test. And if you don't, in most states, I think after the child is 10 or 12, you lose that right. That's your child. Uh, one of the things that I always laugh about is when I was in law school, first thing they taught us in family law is that in Louisiana you can have three fathers. You can have a legal father, a biological father, and an adoptive father. And your mother can technically get child support for all three of those individuals. Wait, what? <laughs> so Yes. So well, absolutely no sense. So why yeah. of course you didn't make this law and I don't mm-hmm. expect what happens is, let's let's say we have a baby, baby Johnny. Baby Johnny was born to Bob and Sue. Bob and Sue were in a, they were married. Sue had an affair with Randy, and that's how we ended up with baby Johnny. Now, Bob doesn't know that Sue had the affair. He's gone forth as if this is his child. But one day she comes to him and says, well, Johnny's not yours. That's the day she put him on notice. A year from that day, he had to file an action to say, this is not my child because she put him on notice. But he doesn't do anything. He goes forward, 
15 years down the road, they get a divorce, and so there comes the argument about child support, and he says, well, Johnny's not my child. He belongs to Randy. And she says, well, no, he is yours. And she's like, well, no, she told me 15 years ago that he wasn't mine. That's when you should have come to the court. So now you're, you are little Johnny's legal father. So at that point, Sue can then go and petition to have Randy put on child support. And at that point, Randy's on child support because he is baby Johnny's biological father. Now, I don't think a judge will do it, but it can happen. Usually in issues of family law, that's when you see a judge's discretion at its greatest because they understand that a lot of things with the law can't be put in black and white. There are a lot of gray areas in family law. So you have to use your common sense. It's absolutely absurd. But, you know, but that to me is ridiculous to have, you know, someone else paying for a child that obviously is not theirs and can be biologically proven that, um, you know, it's, it's not their child. But let me ask you this. So say, for instance, you know, I have a child. I'm no longer with mm-hmm. the child's father. The child's father moves away to a totally different state. Mm-hmm. Say Mississippi, the child's father lives in, I don't know, Illinois or something like that. Mm-hmm. So... Does that fall under Mississippi law, or does that fall under Illinois law for a family court? Like, how does that work? It falls under Mississippi law. What happens is there's this document, this federal document called the UCJEA. I think that's the current name. It changes every now and then. It's And what it is, it's pretty much a uniform child custody and child support statute. It says that the court that has jurisdiction is the court that's considered to be the home state of the child. So the home state is where the child has presided for the past six months. And so that means, or it can be the state where the child lived prior to where they live now, as long as they had lived there within that six months. Or it can be a state that chooses to take jurisdiction. I had a very similar case that just happened where my client lives in Mississippi. Her ex lives in Texas. They were divorced in Louisiana, and the original child custody order came from Louisiana. And so we had a jurisdictional issue between three different courts wanting jurisdiction over these children. And we had to go and argue whose court had jurisdiction. And once you look at the UCJEA and what the UCJEA says that I think is the most common, so even though they lay out all these things that you should look at to decide which court has jurisdiction, one of the things it says is that all the courts should contact each other and they should talk to determine which court has the best case. So the judge here was supposed to reach out to the judge in Louisiana and the judge in Texas and determine, okay, this is what we have on. Where where are the children located? What would be in the best interest of the children? And what the courts concluded, which is what I wanted, is that the children have been living in Texas. That's the court that should hear the matter. That's where they that's where they've been 
that's where we should go. We shouldn't have to go back to Louisiana, even though Louisiana had jurisdiction over the children because they made the first order. Wow, that's interesting. It, All right, another question. It, yeah. I'm about to throw at you. Sorry to cut you off. Um, okay. okay, throw this scenario out. You know, you have a woman, she meets a man, um, mm-hmm. and, of course, you know, the man has children from a previous relationship. And the baby mamas or ex-wife, they want child support. Where the man remarries, how does that work? It depends on the state. In Mississippi, it doesn't affect the new wife because Mississippi is a equitable property state, meaning what you put in is what you get out. In Louisiana... It's a community property state. So husband and wife share in both debts and profits. So that child support obligation is a joint obligation. That belongs to not only the father but his new wife as well. So if he has a, um outstanding arrearage in child support, they can come after her. She owes that. That's what they consider to be a community debt. It's a debt of their marriage, unless there's what unless they have a what we call a declaration of separateness, saying that they before they got married or after they got married they signed a document saying was mine is mine, was his is his. Ew. So how can also oh, that's the way they have to pre- Yeah, they would. I recommend it. I also recommend. Can you repeat that again for my listeners out there, Aisha? Can you repeat that again for women? I I recommend declarations of separateness as well as prenuptial and postnuptial agreements. I understand people don't like to hear about that thing because when you're in love, that's all you think about is I'm going to be with this person for the rest of my life. But I look at it kind of like an insurance plan. You don't buy insurance thinking, oh, God, I I hope this doesn't happen to me. No, you buy saying, I hope it doesn't happen to me, but if it does, I'm prepared. I'm covered. So it's. um, I mean, I I wholeheartedly agree. (laughs) Um, I tell people, when you fall out of love, you see the person very differently. And it can be a very nasty, ugly process that you did not anticipate. So, I mean, we are both it, in agreement. Yes, it's definitely. Um, I just think it protects both sides. And even with declarations of separateness, that's not saying that you can't share with your spouse. You can. You can give your spouse whatever you want. They can, but it just it protects you legally speaking. Should something turn, especially when you have blended families, when you have children from previous marriages and things, it just makes that situation a whole lot easier to deal with. Wow. Okay. This is very informative. Mm-hmm. All right. So say you got a very responsible father. He's been put by the mother, mm-hmm. and yet he's denied his parental rights. How does he challenge that? Okay, he's being denied. I would act, he should definitely go and file an action 
to establish custody. In most cases, people always assume that visitation and custody and child support are all one thing. They are two separate things. Just because you pay money does not mean you're entitled to see your child. That's a custody issue. Now, the two should go hand in hand, but they often don't. So what I recommend to all fathers, now there was a recent bill that came through the legislature, I think this uh, past spring, that um, said that DHS can now start doing visitation agreements because previously DHS only did custody. I mean, they only did child support. But now they can help you get custody. You don't have to go hire a private attorney. But that's usually what most people come to me is, hey, I'm paying child support and I don't get to see my baby. So what we do is we go to court. I file a petition to establish custody. We usually do a joint custody um, situation and give him reasonable visitation. Now you have court-ordered visitation so that you can see your child every two weeks or one week out of the month. It's however. It usually depends on the party. Sometimes they can agree, and if they can't agree, then the judge looks at everybody's schedule and they look at the age of the child and they try to come up with an amicable um, solution. Wow. That that was, that was interesting. Hey, if you pay, then you automatically get that right to visitation, you know, a 50-50 split. But obviously, you know, the court system, the way legal jargon is, way. No, you, you don't. Because what with custody comes something that a lot of people get excited about, which is who gets to claim the children on their taxes. The person who's the custodial parent. Unless you have a court order that says otherwise, or the parents come to some type of agreement, which happens. Some parents come to an agreement and say, hey, if there's two children, I claim this one, you claim that one. Or we alternate every other year. I claim them this year, you claim them next year. But custody is a big thing because custody determines if you can get access to your kids' records, whether that be medical records or whether that be school records, if you don't have a custody order, then the school and the doctor aren't entitled to talk to you at all. Oh, for real? Yeah, and that happens. That that happens all the time. I get calls all the time about someone, hey, my child's mother lives in Texas, and I'm trying to get a, I'm trying to get access to my kids' school records, and I can't. Well, you gotta get a, you gotta go to court and get you a custody order. This is I'm entitled to see these records. I'm, it most people don't do it because, like I said, eighty percent of people, the only thing they do, they think about is the child support issue, and then they go to child they go to DHS get child support and that's it. They never pursue the secondary custody issue. All right, Aisha, I have a question from Facebook um, listeners. I'm gonna um. Mm-hmm. So here goes. Are there any same sex laws around child support? Say, for instance, together and one was pregnant when they met, so they raised the child together. Do they get married and do the same laws apply as home, as a heterosexual couple? Second part of that question 
is the other woman responsible for child support or is the biological father? That's a very good question because it's something I had not considered. In the issue with the same-sex marriage, it depends on the state. Different states have different um, laws. In Mississippi or Louisiana, what would need to happen is that, the legally speaking, the partner who gave birth to the baby, not the one whose eggs they were, they were, the person who gave birth to the baby is considered to be the biological mother. The father, whether it be a sperm donor or someone else, the other partner would then need to adopt that child. Now, once they adopt that child, they're a legal guardian, and yes, they will be. They would have to pay child support, not the biological. The biological father, once the child was adopted, would have to relinquish his parental rights. They would terminate his rights at the same time that they gave the adopted parent the rights. Okay. That this person posed this question, I, I did, now mm-hmm. I have a question. Made me think of something. So, I mm-hmm. name of the the television personality lady, but her face. So she met a guy and she wanted, a, so she hired a surrogate. Mm-hmm. He, the lady's pregnant, and I can't remember if the baby was born or if you know still in vitro, or whatever. But um, so she decides she doesn't she the baby. So the man, of course, has custody of the baby. The mother mm-hmm. doesn't want the child. So now he mm-hmm. her, I guess, her because obviously she makes more money than him. In a situation mm-hmm. that's sticky, who is then responsible for the child support? Is it the is it the father who now has custody? Or is it the one who initially arranged this situation but then backed out of it? In that case, and I, it sounds like Sherry Shepard's case yes, with her definitely. and her ex-husband, Lamar, um, it depends on the state. And I remember I was in law school when that happened. I was like, oh, I want to watch this case. It's going to be interesting. Different states have different rules. Lamar argued that California law applied because that's where they live, that's where they contracted. Because in California, you can contract for a surrogate to have a child. Versus in New York, where Sherry filed her action, you cannot. Just like in Mississippi and Louisiana, you can't contract for a surrogate unless they're related to you. There are different laws. You can't pay someone to have a baby for you or to give you their baby. That's not legal here, but it is in certain places. So in this case, the court says, well, California applies because that's where the child was located. That's where the contract occurred. That's where. So now that California law applies, then Sherry is obligated because it's a contract. It's a contract law issue. It's not necessarily a family law issue at this point. And the issue Sherry had wasn't necessarily let. Lamar was coming after her. It was the state of California coming after her. It was kind of like how they do here with DHS. When DHS or the state of Mississippi or any state pays out food stamps or Medicare or things like that that they give to a mother because she has a child, 
then that father is responsible for that money that that state paid out. So that's what they did the exact opposite to Sherry. Lamar applied for food stamps and different other benefits, and as a result, they came after the biological mother of the child, which was the surrogate, who then put forth her defense, which she had, which is I'm no longer a parent. I relinquished my parental rights via a contract, and Sherry Shepard is the mother of that child, and she was correct. Was the situation fair? No, but legally speaking, yes. Wow. Okay. Another question. Another great, great question coming up. Something, again, mm-hmm. I had not considered. Let me get to this question. All right. The situation. Mm-hmm. So what are the laws regarding incarcerated parents? Can an incarcerated parent be held responsible for the child support? If not, once an incarcerated parent gets out can they then be held liable for Yes. Usually what happens when a parent is incarcerated, you can, it goes back to this, it depends on the jurisdiction. Here in Mississippi what would happen is they would apply the minimum amount of child support to that parent, which is, it depends on the chancellor, but it can be anywhere from 100 to $125 a month. And that amount would just stack up, but DHS would not enforce it until that parent was no longer incarcerated because you can, one of your defenses is that you don't have the ability to pay. If I'm in jail, I don't have the ability to pay, and I cannot be punished because I don't have the ability to pay. Okay. So, yeah, that. With it, most of the time when you have incarcerated parents, depending on how long they're incarcerated, states, especially if it's DHS or something like that, they will often move to have those rights terminated. It's, if it's a long period of time the parent will be incarcerated or if it's a particularly violent crime, then that's what they will do. Wait a minute. What do you mean rights terminated? They'll move the um they will help the parent who's out of jail move to have the rights terminated. So someone commits a a murder or a crime of violence, then mm-hmm. the state can then at that point move to have those parents' rights terminated because they don't feel that they are a fit parent. It's very common in California. So they have. They have statutes in place. Mm-hmm. Most of the time the state picks up the slack because I guess the the assumption in the cases, the few that I've seen, is that those parents are often receiving some type of benefits. So they're not going to lose anything by that other parent's rights being terminated, especially if that person's going to be in jail for the next 20 to 40 years. Okay. Yeah. It's not It's not if someone gets arrested and goes to jail for the next six to three, six months to three years, they're not going to terminate those person's rights. What they'll do is they'll continue to keep that child support um, order out there and they won't enforce it until they get out of jail. 
So let me ask you this. Are there ways for people who have paid for payments for a child that's not theirs to be able to be reimbursed for that? Or is it just, hey, I'm sorry, you have to take an L? That's an interesting question because I'm in a situation now that I'm working on where I'm trying to see about getting back pay. Um, there are fraud statutes where you could sue someone, where that parent could sue the other parent in civil court for alleging fraud for money that they shouldn't have been getting. That's the only avenue I've been able to find as as of late, but that is a very good question, and it's a very complicated question. And it has to do with the, that that particular jurisdiction and what the laws say. Right now, there's nothing. There's no avenue. You can't go to DHS and say, I want back all the money I paid for this child for all these years that didn't belong to me. They'll they'll use what they will usually do is they'll try to stop it immediately, but your best action would then be a fraud action against that other parent because fraud actions don't expire and you can so it doesn't matter if it was fifty years later you still have that right to sue. Are you suing the state or are you suing the mom? No, you're going to sue the other parent. You can't sue the state. The state has uh, immunity. They, you can't sue them. It's, okay. There are very few. The Eleventh Amendment grants very few uh, reasons why you can sue any state. Next question. I got another. Yeah. So, for parents who are minors, can grandparents be responsible for child support? No, they cannot. Um, grandparents do not owe a duty to pay for a child unless they have formally adopted that child and that child is legally their child, then yes, they will be responsible for it. But other than that, then no, they're not responsible for child support. Well, Miss Aisha, it was a pleasure talking to you. Hopefully my listeners out there, you know, got some great information you know, if they find themselves in a particular in a particular predicament regarding child support, um, can you mm-hmm. tell the listeners, um, you know, if you have a Twitter handle or you know, can they follow you on IG or Facebook page, and also where your law office is located for those who need to seek more counsel? Okay, my um, you can find me on Facebook at Aisha Sanders A I S H A Sanders S A N D E R S. My office is located in Natchez, Mississippi, 604 Franklin Street, uh, Natchez, 39120. My office number is 601-445-5570. I take questions all the time. I get people inboxing me. I have no problem. If it's a simple question, if I can't answer it, I'll get you in contact with somebody who can I like to keep people informed, and you can, if you can reach BJ, then you can reach me. Absolutely, absolutely. 
We appreciate it. For the listeners out there, thank you guys for tuning in. The next show and um of course we have some more black man magic. But again, you know, support support Miss Aisha Sanders if you have a problem, always all black. Whatever black, just black. Um, yes. <laughs> Greatly appreciate well, thank you so much. You are welcome. You are welcome. Once again, thank you so much for such thorough responses. I actually learned a lot of my kids and just, you know, my to my listeners out there posing questions that I just didn't even but you know, very relevant um topics as well. Again out there again, thank you to my listeners as well. Yes. Well, I appreciate you guys having me and if anybody has any questions, feel free to reach out. All right. Take care, girl. All right. Bye. All right, folks out there who Facebook back and forth with the debate. I have provided you with an excellent attorney to help you out. You know, she's okay with inboxing her, but the girl does have to eat. So, you know, support support her in her business and so she can do well and continue to community and hopefully in turn she can support you as well. But once again, I'm about to get off of here because I actually want to watch some basketball games tonight. So peace out, people. Bye. Life is like a